1: in my bungalow. Hold on to your butts.
0: Well, we're back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 151st episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. I am your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we're going to go over some of the latest news regarding Jurassic World Evolution and the Jurassic World 3 cinematographer. And then we're going to head into the Innovation Center with Tom Fishenden, where he chats with fellow Jurassic podcaster, Stephen Ray Morris. We had Stephen on to discuss all sorts of things inside the Visitor Center all the way back in October. That's just crazy. I can't believe it's been that long since our last full chat. But this time, Tom has an even bigger chat with him. We've uh, had such a backlog of episodes recently, so we are just getting around to airing this one. So um, I don't know if there's anything that's totally dated in this episode or not, but uh, I hope you enjoy it anyway. They had a fantastic chat, so stick around to learn even more about Steven and his fandom. You can hear even more from Steven if you subscribe to his Jurassic podcast, See Jurassic Right. It's a really, really great show, very heartfelt, so I'll make sure to put all the links in the show notes so you can check that one out. And to round out the episode, we're going to dive into the audio lab to hear from College Humor, who put together a video featuring Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt trying to pass off Blue as a service animal on an airline. Uh, We'll see how that goes. It's a pretty comical skit, so make sure to stick around to check it out. We have a little update for you. Um, The 21st, the day that this is uh, coming out, the 21st of May, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is premiering in Spain. Uh, So that is... That's some big news there, guys. Uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom will be seen by a pretty wide audience out in Spain um, at their big premiere in, in Spain, because... J.A. Bayona is Spanish, he's a Spanish director, so what better than to premiere it for his home country? That is absolutely amazing. But, just as a warning, I know a lot of you are turning off social media, maybe you're not even listening to this podcast due to potential spoilers, I guess, Um, but I just wanted to give you guys that warning that people will have seen this movie on the 21st, um, ahead of the 6th uh, or the 7th in the UK And also the 22nd in the United States uh, So, just as a warning, heads up There may be some stuff floating around the internet You never know um, I'm sure there will be some reactions I am personally very excited to see what people think about this movie um, I think the buzz has got to be pretty good Judging by the fact that they are debuting this so early Um, And they've been showing off all this footage at the uh, Universal Studios event, at CinemaCon, and they must be confident that this movie is going to be fantastic. Otherwise, I don't think they would be premiering it so, so much around the world um, so early. So, uh, good luck to everybody out in Spain. I don't know if you guys are listening to this before you get to see this, at least whoever is heading out to that premiere um, good luck to everybody that's involved in this project premiering that movie. I am so excited and uh, also bummed. It's the 21st of March, or March, yeah, March, guys, May, and I'm not seeing this movie. I don't know. I don't know when I'm going to be able to see it even. Probably not even on opening night, which is a, a, definitely a, a bummer for me. So, anyway, I'm very <laughs> excited for everybody else again. Uh, but this is this is an awesome time that the movie is finally premiering to audiences a finished film. That is very exciting. We do have a few plugs here before we get underway. Last week's bonus episode, if you didn't check that one out, was a Mattel toy review um, from some of the items that were sent to us from Mattel. So me and Aaron Beyer discussed the uh, a few of the Matchbox cars, the Matchbox Island Escape playset... Some of the Mattel Mini Dinosaurs, which are really cool. Um, I had a bunch of the Blind Bag ones that I was opening. Um, And also, as a bonus item, one of our own items that we reviewed... ...was the Owen and Blue Lego Brickheads, which is also really cool. So, that bonus episode is in our podcast feed. We're working on the video review, so that will be coming out sometime this week. Also, we had a second bonus episode last week... ...which was the Jurassic Park 25th Anniversary Celebration episode... Featured a ton of audio um, from around the community. We had um, Victoria from Victoria's Cantina on there talking with a lot of fans and also some of her audio from around this, the uh, the park there. Also, uh, Matt Sickleclaw, you know him as on, on Twitter. He had some audio for us and Chris from Crisscross Cross Media brought some audio as well. And then we had so many great people calling in, like Jurassic Gen, Kat called in, Jonathan, uh, Stephen Ray Morris, actually, who's on this episode, Jaroslav, I know he wrapped that thing up. So it was a really great, sentimental episode. I talked a lot of my feelings about that event, even though I wasn't there, um, and uh, just my thoughts as the, uh, as the, uh, the 25th anniversary approaches. It's been a crazy 25 years, and I think um, it was worth celebrating. We're going to be celebrating a lot more in the next month, so uh, stay tuned for all that. But um, sticking with the bonus episode theme, this Thursday we have another bonus tour review coming up here. Me and Aaron discuss the Imaginext Walking Indoraptor, which is a really, really cool toy for younger kids. Um, Also the Velociraptor Blue figure and uh, Owen and Baby Blue, which was really cool. And then uh, a bonus item. Uh, one of our favorites, Stiggy. That thing is so fantastic, the Stiggy Mollock. It's such a really cool toy, so stick around to hear all about that one in this Thursday's bonus episode. But, all right, enough about all that stuff. We have a packed episode, so why don't we get this one started off with a bit of Jurassic News from around the world. 18 minutes and your company catches up on 10 years of research. Access me program.
2: Access me secure. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48
0: hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but going boy would have been right all the time. But today, I guarantee it. All right, so this is a bit of a longer episode, so I'm kind of going to try to jump through these news articles here. Starting off with Jurassic World Evolution, they put together a video on IGN.com this last uh, past week, and uh, they discussed a, f- a bunch of the really cool um, items from this game. And specifically, notated a few... uh, Two very cool points here, actually. The first one being that there is a sandbox mode on Isla Nublar. Uh, Previously, we haven't really heard anything about Nublar. So it's awesome that we're going to get a sandbox mode where you can basically do whatever you want... Um, With all these tools and dinosaurs and everything that's out there on Isla Nublar, set up your park on the park that started it all, which is really cool. Instead of all the five deaths, which is surely going to be very awesome, but there's nothing like the original island, so it'll be cool to, to feel special doing it on that island. Um, So that's a really cool feature from the game. Also, they made mention that there will be an update coming for a lot of the stuff from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So a lot of those dinosaurs and things that you see in that movie will be provided in a special update, which will be free, I believe. So uh, that's really cool that they're going to be You know, keeping constant stuff flowing in, especially tying into this movie, which is fantastic. We're going to hope to have a little bit more information on both of these items and so much more coming soon. So stay tuned for all that. If you want to find the link to this article from IGN and the videos there, head to our show notes. We do have an update for Jurassic World 3. It looks like, uh, according to Omega Underground, they're stating that their sources themselves um, that there will be uh, the cinematographer John Schwartzman, who did Jurassic World with Colin Trevorrow, uh, he will be the cinematographer for Jurassic World 3, he- headlined also by Colin Trevorrow and uh, a co-writer Emily Carmichael. So that's, that's really great. I know I personally really liked how Jurassic World looked. Um, a lot of people may say otherwise. But, you know, we're switching it up here with Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And it'll be interesting to see how they try to blend things all together through these three movies. And uh, I guess we'll wait and see. But that's what we have now for uh, an update on Jurassic World 3. Looks like a lot of the people are coming together for that project. So if you do want to read more from Omega Underground, head to our show notes. Lastly, we just wanted to say a big happy birthday to The Lost World. It's the 21st birthday. Last year, we celebrated the big 20th anniversary for The Lost World. Um, so this May, the 23rd is the actual in theaters date. The 19th, if you look on Wikipedia, it might say the 19th. That was the date that it premiered in L.A. for the official like premiere of the movie. But let's not count that. The 23rd is the date that everybody was able to see this movie in theaters for the first time. So, again, that's the 21st birthday. That's crazy. I know it feels like we literally just celebrated the 20th anniversary. My God, we did so many big things last year for the 20th. Um, I just, uh, my mind's blown. I can't believe we're already at the 21st. 25th for Jurassic Park. Uh, Ah, we're getting old. This is, uh, oh my God, this is crazy. Anyway, happy birthday to the Lost World. I'm going to be watching you
1: real soon. Oh, there it is. There it is.
2: If I don't innovate, somebody else will.
1: Due to technical difficulties, all our exhibits are now closed.
2: You are acting like we are engaged in some kind of mad science.
0: And Zara here is going to take great care of you until I'm done working tonight, okay?
2: Big, scary,
1: Um, Cooler, I believe, is the word that you use in your
0: memo. Any incidents? Yeah, six kids in the lost and found, uh, 28 down
2: with heat stroke.
0: All of this exists because of me. Just like taking a stroll through the woods 65 million years ago.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another section of the Innovation Centre here on the Jurassic Park podcast. So today we're doing something a little bit different. We've got a special guest with us. And yeah, we're going to just have a little bit of a discussion about what they do in the community and then what they're hoping to see from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So without any further ado, special guest, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Hi, it's Stephen Ray Morris. I uh, am a podcast producer and I also host and make See Jurassic Right, uh, one of the, one of the handful of wonderful Jurassic Park podcasts. And I'm happy to be in such company as you, Tom, and, and as well as the Jurassic Park podcast and, and in general and Unicast. And, you know, it's just, it's just so much fun.
1: It is Uh, fun. There's uh, a lot of good people out there producing loads of different content. And I think it's nice to see so much diverse stuff out there for fans to kind of really sink their teeth into and listen to.
2: Look, we're, 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 I don't think anybody can dampen our enthusiasm. We're no. finally, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, you know, we're not Star Wars fans. We're not Marvel fans. We don't get three Marvel movies. You know, we don't get three Jurassic Park movies a year. We don't get <laughs> a new Jurassic Park movie every year. We have to wait three gosh dang years in between each movie. So, I think if we want to have as many podcasts as we want and talk about all the little individual things we want, <laughs> I, don't think anybody, I don't think anybody should stop us or, or say why we can't because let us have our fun, you know?
1: I agree 100%. I'm going to make a little suggestion here for when he listens to the episode. Brad, I think you should cut that section and use it as a sales pitch for the podcast. I think it was quite good. Um. <laughs> yes,
2: it's so great.
1: That's it. It's just going to be you every time now at the start with that quote right there, selling why all these podcasts are so good.
2: I mean, I, I mean, look, I, I just, you know, it's 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 such a cool thing to think about. I mean, it, whenever you, whatever people are pursuing a passion or, or or something that they really love, I think you just have to think, well, what would I want to talk about every day? Like, what am I, what am I excited about? I think when well, when I talk to people who are Not just wanting to get in a podcast, but you know, uh, you know, who have met through my work, like who want to, you know, pursue something that they're excited about. It's like, I mean, just make sure you're not going to get sick of it. I think that's really the important thing. I mean, it's obviously great to take, you know, to have multiple interests so you don't, you never get sick of something, but I think it's really as simple as what would I want to, what would I want to talk about every day? And I think, like, at least for me, it was like, okay, well, I love Jurassic Park and now I want to find a way to, make it more in my life and what, what better time than right now, um, yeah. you know, than when all the Fallen... You know, because that's the thing. It's like when new movies come out, that's when, you know, the fandom is at the most hype. But I think, as we've seen, like, the time in between movies doesn't dampen our enthusiasm at all. I mean, the time between Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom, I, to me, there never really felt like there was, there was a dip. I think we're just lucky this time in that Universal is actually... Giving us a lot to talk about, whereas <laughs> yeah. whereas with Jurassic World we were like, we definitely had to kind of go off on our own and have fun and be creative on our own. Whereas now Fallen Kingdom has has given us so much stuff to chew on even before the movies come out.
1: Yeah, that is a really good point. I think you kind of make the point quite nicely as well about Universal focusing a lot more on the in between things here because. Um, I I don't know, you probably know how kind of fresh-faced I am when it comes to being a part of the community. Um, But before that, I kind of just saw the Jurassic Park films. And I always remember that after Jurassic Park 3 finished, that kind of felt like it up until Jurassic World was announced. There was never really any kind of continual support of that fandom and nothing really done to kind of i suppose stimulate it so now seeing universal sharing not only stuff for fallen kingdom but also evolution and um the jurassic park 25th anniversary is really reassuring i think and of course we've got a lot more stuff to talk about this time around like evolution and claire's novel are you excited for both of them
2: i think we were talking about it a little bit beforehand or i've talked to you before about it outside of the this recording but yeah i'm i'm not i mean i grew up playing video games and i and i loved video games growing up and it's like there's always there's always a video game like once a year that makes me want to get back into video games and i and i try so like a couple years ago i got a 3ds and started playing pokemon and then more recently i started playing my 3ds again because i was like you know what I really want to play the Jurassic world Lego game.
1: Oh, uh, that game I mean, is so good.
2: <laughs> it's really fun. I wonder, I think, I feel like the console version might be better though. Yeah. Um, cause I feel like a lot of the Lego Jurassic world game, there's certain segments where it's like, you don't really do anything. You're just sort of <laughs> running around and stuff. But, um, uh, it's still really fun to be in that world, and to me, the fun part about the Lego Jurassic World game was to see the inventive ways that they made, like they adapted sequences for the game. Like in Jurassic Park, when you find the sick Triceratops, Dr. Ellis Satler like has to look for these clues to figure out what's wrong with it, and then it, you get to ride it, and it breaks through the through the um, like through a log, and then you have to get it back to its cage. Like yeah. I thought that was really cool and inventive. Um, so Jurassic World Evolution I think I would like to play that I mean I never played Operation Genesis but Me I neither. obviously le- did you Did you play Operation Genesis?
1: Nope never played it
2: <laughs> yeah I mean I feel like I honestly think I would play Evolution more for how beautiful and how uh, cinematic the dinosaurs look yeah. and kind of more interested in that side of things rather than the actual gameplay but Uh, because, uh, yeah, I just, I just don't have that much time to play video games anymore. So I would almost get it more for as a way to relax. Like I almost wish there was like a free play mode where you could just zoom your camera around the beautiful dinosaur models. I mean, it seems like, um, Frontier, right. Is the company that made it. It feels like Frontier puts so much love into bringing those dinosaurs to life that I just, if there was a way I could just admire that aspect of it, just use a cheat code and just go straight to, you know, just get all the dinosaurs and all the different options. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I think I'm, I think, I think part of me thinks it might be worth it to actually invest in this. But again, as we were talking about, I have to, you know, decide whether I get an Xbox, Xbox. or a PlayStation 4. Xbox. I, I've, heard, I've heard, I've heard it split. I want to know what the listeners uh, at home right now think I should get, if I should get an Xbox, or a PS4, or a, or a PC.
1: This is the moment where they're like, don't do anything, it will just consume your life. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> um, I'm honestly more excited and most excited about the Claire prequel novel, because yes. that's the one thing that, you know, as, again, I feel like it's very, the Jurassic franchise, I mean, obviously Jurassic Park is a huge movie and all this stuff, but we're still kind of the underdogs in some sense, in relation to Marvel and Star Wars. Yeah. And that's the stuff that I really want. I want those prequel novels. I want those in-between novels. I want side stories. I want all the tie-in material, um, which is why I'm loving the, the Dinosaur Protection Group stuff, because that's what I like. That's what I love. And I grew up reading the expanded universe novels for Star Wars. And so the idea that we could get those for Jurassic Park is so exciting and I think something that we've never really had before I mean we had the Jurassic Park comics but I didn't really read those growing up and I don't think they were ever treated that seriously by Universal I think they were just like oh you can go make comics over here but I get the sense that these tie in books are going to be treated with kind of as much weight as a lot of the new Star Wars canon novels and so that makes yeah. me super excited
1: what kind of stuff are you hoping we're going to see explored in the novel? I know um, there was a thread on Twitter that I commented on the other day, which was saying maybe we could learn why New blah for Jurassic World had a restricted area and stuff like that.
2: Yes, I think I think there's definitely ample. I mean, so much time between um, the building of the new Jurassic World. I mean, I honestly would be interested in to see to. To, to hear a novel, this is very, um, very specific, but there's uh, a novel called The Waves by Virginia Wolf, which was, it's about a particular character, but each chapter is from a different character's point of view about this one specific character. Okay. And I, and I would almost want a novel like that, but about him, because in a weird way, he gets kind of unceremoniously killed in the canon saying that he died, you know, it was the Misrani Global site, but he died shortly after the events of The Lost World. And who knows, maybe that television, I think that's actually very fitting to the canon in a way that Hammond gives this final speech on CNN, and then that's kind of his last, but it kind of like misconstrues his legacy a bit. And so it'd be funny or be interesting to do like a, a novel where you have all these people talk about Hammond, but it's from different perspectives and people who revered him, people who hated him. And I think that would be kind of a uh, an interesting, maybe a little too experimental for for something that Universal would do. But I like the idea. I think Fallen Kingdom seems to be seems to want to deal with the legacy of Hammond in a much bigger yeah. way than any of the previous movies. So I think more stuff like that would be interesting. Um, I think. Uh, oh, what else would be really good? I mean, obviously, people have said like a Muldoon novel. I think people, yeah, I mean, he's such a great, he's <laughs> such a, he's such a great character. I mean, you could even almost do. I know, I know. Uh, Star Wars is releasing a Han and Lando novel that takes place in different timelines, where I think one takes place before the events of Solo, and then part of the novel takes place after the events of. Uh, after events of Return of the Jedi.
1: Oh, that's interesting. uh,
2: Featuring those two characters. And I think that would be so interesting to do, like, you could do something with Wu like that, where you could have him in the early days of the park and you can kind of gleam a lot of that kind of stuff from the original Jurassic Park novel. And then kind of contrast it with maybe, like, pre-Fallen Kingdom stuff, like where he goes in between or something. Um, Like, doing something kind of cool like that that is, I think, again from what everyone is in the community has talked about, which is the ways that they're tying all the movies together. And I think that's the kind of stuff where if you jumped back and forth between the early days of the technology to, uh, to you know, right up until the latest movie, I think you can kind of connect all the dots. And I think that would be really cool. I think, um, I don't know, I mean, even just like, I think Jake Johnson's, I think Lowry would be a great character <laughs> to kind of explore just a kind of his, his, uh, I don't know. I just think he would be a funny character to follow around. There was, um, a comic going around a while ago, like a, a cover of a comic, like fan art of Katie McGrath's character of, um, Zara, cool. kind of like, kind of like her being, you know, becoming Claire's assistant, and that those kind of misadventures that could be there, I, th- I thought that would be kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't. Uh, I mean, I, I would like to see not necessarily like some sort of dramatic novel about how Al- Alan and Ellie broke up, but I would almost be interested in, in hearing, you know, because Doctor Sattler in the movies kind of settles down. She she decides to write her book. She, you know, becomes a mom and she settles down in the sense that she's from, at least from where we're at now, she's not going to go on any more adventures. And I would like to see, I would be curious to see what steps drove her to be like, you know, because to me, she was always more adventurous than Malcolm or Grant. And so maybe she's like, well, you know what, if I can write this book and I can teach people about these things, then I can do more good than if yeah. running around in the field anymore. So I'd be interested to hear, to be honest, the aftermath of Nublar and like what our main heroes went through between the events of Jurassic Park, Lost World slash Jurassic Park 3. I, you know, I, I'm thinking of the novel and Grant and uh, uh, Dr. Sattler and the kids are all hanging out at a pool and there's that one character in the book that's not in the movies and he's like, you're not going anywhere, because you're yeah. kind of like quarantined. And it'd be cool to see just kind of that aftermath, because really, in the movies, we still haven't seen what the larger world, I mean, we, you know, because we're always on the islands. So it's like, did anything leak from Nublar? Apparently, uh, Malcolm spoke to the press, but I feel like yeah. it's all very vague. And I think maybe that would be interesting to deal with. I don't know. I'm just spitting ideas out at this point. I mean, Lex is, a, Lex is a hacker. Is really funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, I mean, not funny, but like, that would be really entertaining. I think that would be really fun. It'd be
1: interesting if she became the Jurassic hacker who's referenced on the DPG.
2: Yeah, I wonder. Part of me thinks it's actually Lowry.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, I can see that.
2: But I, I mean, it would be cool if they tied in... Irina Richards back into it somehow. I think that would be really cool. I mean, the fact that Joseph Mazzello is not involved in this at all, like it, he seems like somebody who has always been very down to be involved. And so, um, yeah, it's curious why a grown-up Tim isn't anywhere to be seen as well. Yeah. I wonder... Um, yeah, I, what are some of the things that you're thinking of? What are, what are some things that you would like to see?
1: I think... There was something there that you said that I now need to kind of backtrack in my head to remember because I had an idea that flashed into my head. Um, when you were referencing people knowing about Nublar and what happened with the incident, I really like the idea of maybe having small stories of people who run amok on the island and perhaps either like, narrowly escaped or didn't escape. Um, because one thing that I think you kind of need to consider is how... Lowry got that t-shirt for example because that's a piece of merchandise that would have been on the island um so at some point somebody must have gone onto the island and managed to obtain that or at least somebody must have gone onto the island to actually see the logo and then produce a t-shirt about it so that suggests that within that kind of context there's been more people on the islands than we have seen in the films and I think um that is something that's actually supported within the Lost World, where the fisherman who takes them out there proceeds to tell people about um, stories of people going missing on the islands. So it would be quite interesting to kind of see that greater impact that builds up the mythos around the islands. And
2: Ooh, ooh I like that a lot. The, yeah, it's like legends and stories, and it's maybe people coming. You could even bring back that, that uh, man and his son. Yeah. And it's it's them kind of recalling stories in their town and, you know, all the different people that they've come across because they fish around the islands because for some reason the the bioactivity around the islands is really rich. And so it's great for fishing, but obviously you don't go into the island. And then it's them finding different people washed ashore or escaping, you know, different raiders, different types of people. And then, yeah, it's like kind of some may be true, some may be false. It's like campfire stories almost.
1: Yeah. It'd be really cool. I like that kind of um, unconventional format of storytelling as well, where it's kind of like you're not hearing it firsthand, you're hearing it from somebody else. So I kind of feel like in that regard, something that could maybe be interesting as well is obviously you were talking about um, how we could see Hammond from different characters' perspectives. And I wonder if something like almost a in-gen field report on Isla Sauna would be cool, where you could get, like, the handouts that um, Roland had inside the novel and you could then get, like, uh, in-gen report that's written up to reflect what Ludlow wanted, where it says why the mission to capture the dinosaurs was unsuccessful, kind of what happened and why. So it's almost like a reaccount of the film but from the hunter's perspective where it's a bit more Ooh. blurred and like obviously a bit more biased. And then you obviously go away and watch the film to see what really happened. Stuff like that. I enjoy a lot as well.
2: Oh, I love that. Um, I have on my shelf and it was, there is a lost world. I think calling it D D might be a bit generous, but there was a lost world role-playing game okay. that I have still have from when I, that I got when I was a kid and the opening chapter of the book is just about a page or two each of journals and diaries and field notes from all the characters in the movie. That's cool. Uh,
1: I love stuff. Yeah. I
2: I don't know if it's online. I should maybe scan them or put something, put them online, but yeah, it's got, but, and they're all kind of like designed to fit the characters. So of course, Eddie's is like on a very, you know, proper, like field notebook. Whereas like Sarah Harding's is like scribbled on a scrap of paper and Malcolm's is on like a nice, delicate, like formal looking piece of correspondence. Like all like all the different characters, kind of the look of it kind of matches the character. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, that's really cool. The idea of seeing it from a different perspective. Is I that, would like that too. I also think, well, my theory about the t-shirt thing too, is that I bet a lot of workers when they first started building Jurassic World probably pinched, uh, like, ooh, like, what if, uh, so there's like camps of people staying on the island, the construction workers, yeah. and they're staying in camps, and they're like, you know, here's where the island is, like, watch out, because there's still dinosaurs roaming, we haven't contained them all yet, or whatever. But maybe, like, okay, we're on the island for months, and so construction workers like, dare one another to go to the forbidden area, or to go to the old visitor center. Yeah, that would the be really Like, cool. it's like childhood dare, like, oh, I dare you to grab something. <laughs> and so, they're like, pinching things from the from the original park, is almost like you know they, they're just drinking tequila around a fire, you know, in the safety of like where they're building. But then they try it, like even that would be cool too. Of like, just yeah, like a, like we were saying before, like the construction workers and stuff that would be.
1: That would be I don't quite know. a natural way of adding an element of action to the clan novel, actually, as well without it feeling too forced.
2: Yeah, because I think, I mean, if you're a construction worker on Isle Nublar trying to build. A new park, while other dinosaurs are roaming free. I mean, I think a lot of people would be interested in the logistics of it, but I think, like we're saying from a storytelling perspective, that's that's. I mean, that's that's insane. You know, when when somebody builds a zoo, they don't have the dinos. They don't have the animals roaming around you while you're building it. The the they bring in the animals later.
1: Yeah, I wonder if part of the reason that that. restricted area wall that I referenced earlier exists is because maybe they contained all the dinosaurs in the restricted zone whilst they were building and then moved them to their enclosures
2: yeah I, I th- that's I think you're right about that but it's interesting that is it called the restricted zone on our behalf as like a park visitor or is it called restricted zone to the normal park employees. Yeah. Like what is it called to Claire? Or what is it called to, what was it called to Miss Well,
1: on the control would, like window, it's still listed as restricted, isn't it? When they're in the control room. So
2: yeah. It I seems as
1: if, if it's restricted to everybody.
2: Yeah. So I wonder what, who had access to that, if anybody. Yeah. Or if it was just like, like you're saying, just sort of off limits because it was just this sort of, I'm just, I'm actually thinking of the Lego Jurassic World <laughs> Indominus Escape. Right
1: oh, there. you're thinking of all the like hybrids being locked there, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Of you
1: is thinking about that. <laughs> that is, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was having the exact same thought because we were originally meant to see the Stegoceratops as well, weren't we, before yes. it got cut. So I wonder if maybe that's where it was gonna be. Yeah, and I think, it, and that's a thing, and I
2: talked to uh, Chris Pugh of In General and the In General podcast and Jurassic Outpost, and he cleared up a thing for me, which was, because when they interviewed Colin Trevorrow, was that the East Dock sign never appeared in Jurassic World because they opted for a sign uh, when when Claire and uh, Zach and Gray are in the ambulance. Yeah. And there's a sign that says, like, Science Center or Research, Research Station. It's Research, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so it could be just as simple as that restricted zone was just made that way because obviously it's working on us where we're speculating, and we're getting excited because it's just leaving this kind of fun space for us to imagine. So who knows if yeah. there's even something actually concrete in there, but it was created as a way to, I mean, open the door for possibilities later. I mean, it, again, in the fall, in the two Fallen Kingdom trailers, we've seen so many animals and carnivores. Like, where was the Allosaurus and the Baryonyx and the Carnotauruses on Isla Nublar in Jurassic World? Like, where were all these dinosaurs? Um, But it's funny because there actually is a real real world analog to that, um, which I'm curious if Fallen Kingdom, if if that's their approach, if they explain it at all, um, is that, for example, at the San Diego Zoo and Safari Parks down in San Diego, there's a certain number of animals on display but yeah. there's actually twice as many animals off display that nobody actually is meant to see, that they're being taken care of and being um, bred to go back out in the wild. They're being researched. Yeah. So I, I wonder if the Oh my the God, with,
1: Stephen. Oh my yeah. God. What if the canonical implications of Sauna being devoid of dinosaurs is true because they took them all to Nublar and they were breeding them in facilities on Nublar to then repopulate Sauna as a proper biological reserve.
2: Ooh, I like that. They, they just got, <laughs> they, their plans were kind of dashed. Yeah. Uh, I like that.
1: Because if you think about it, if we take the DPG as canon, then the Spinosaurus was never meant to be on Sauna. It was just put there by Woo. So I wonder if they felt as if that ruined the ecosystem of the preserve, so they needed to start it again to be true.
2: Yeah, they like, ooh, like Woo's trying to, because, okay, I've made dinosaurs, big whoop. That's easy for Woo now. At this point, yeah. he's like, oh, boring. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, even in Jurassic World, I love the way. I love the way B D Wong plays the character. He's like, "Oh, I didn't know that the that some type of things you know make <laughs> yeah. uh, them camouflage." Like he's so very kind of like playing coy and kind of like. I, I like those scenes because Miss Ronnie's naivete is being like kind of called out in those moments. Yeah, and, and yeah, what if Wu? What if the master plan is okay? We made we can bring dinosaurs back, but can we actually create? a fully thriving ecosystem.
1: Yeah. That would be like like the next step, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah. To create like a full, you know, Jurassic, uh, yeah. Like populate all the islands, not just, yeah, not just Nublar, but get, get all the other, uh, the Cinco's Mortis in.
1: And what if that is why evolution is canon? Hashtag mind blown.
2: (laughs) Um, Actually my my I have a just random qu- or thought or question. Yeah. So I noticed like watching the evolution gameplay. So now they're stating that canon-wise Isla Nublar is basically nestled with the the five deaths. Is that what I, is that my understanding of it now? Cuz I think that I noticed that and I don't know if I, I don't feel like anybody made a big statement about that. I feel like that's just now become
1: I think Hmm. Yeah. I think geographically, Nublar has always kind of been part of the Five Deaths. I think, obviously, in the films, it doesn't really show them at all. And it shows it as it's kind of standalone island. But I wonder if maybe they just got the geography wrong there. Because I know that Sauna's the one that's always kind of been on its own, hasn't it? And Nublar is meant to be part of the Five Deaths. I'm not sure if maybe that's them retconning it.
2: Yeah, I guess we've never yeah, it's it's just something I noticed with evolution showing Nublar and Sorna and then the other islands all close together. Yeah, and this could just be a thing. Yeah, it could just be a thing that's always been or or is new. But there, I don't feel like anybody's put out a formal statement, so <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it feels pretty new to me. The idea that I always assumed Island Nublar was its own thing, and then Isla Sorna and the and the rest of the five deaths were one thing, and then now that now that they're together that feels new to me but i could just be yeah i i, I think if anything maybe evolution seeing that map like seeing all of them together is maybe the first time that registered for me yeah but I, hopefully I mean, I it could will
1: clarify wrap. it yeah totally that would be good to get some clarification i think um what was i gonna say sauna isn't actually gonna be an evolution if i remember correctly.
2: Oh, really? Oh. Yeah.
1: Because I reme- well, I, it's not been revealed yet, and all the marketing they've done has been talking about the five deaths.
2: Hmm. I, yeah, it's, I mean, I watched the evolution footage once, so I haven't had a chance to really dig deep into it as much as I want to. But, yeah, I mean, that's curious. I mean, again, they could, yeah, I, you know, I wonder if there's those potential for, like, DLC sorts of things.
1: Yeah. We're adding
2: a new island, you know, like,
1: new challenges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are adding a new character. We are adding the original Jurassic Park. I don't Get know. Get some new skins. I'm really excited. I talked to a lot of the people on Twitter who work for Frontier, like um, Bo Marritt and Nick Rogers, and they're all really, really cool people who are, like, super invested in the franchise. So... I'm super excited to see what happens with Evolution, to be honest. I think there's probably a lot we've not seen that is going to just blow our minds. And I like that they're trying to add some canonical implications to the game as well. I think that because, like, trying to get it to sit within the canon could make it messy, but at the same time, it has the potential to be very rewarding.
2: Well, it seems like it's going to have its cake and eat it too in the sense that, like, obviously you can go off and do what you want, and go on these challenges, but then there's, there seems to be more of like a story building mode yeah. where you kind of earn each island as you go along. And so, and then I think I remember reading something about there being like, possible that maybe a volcano does become part of it, or that there are weather systems, because weather was such a huge part of, it's funny, I just had this thought right now, whereas, you know, there there's that sense of from some people being like, well, a volcano is very arbitrary, like why all of a sudden is it exploding now as opposed to any other time? But also a big part of Jurassic Park, the original movie, was a hurricane, which is also a random weather occurrence.
1: Yeah, that is true. That kind
2: of disturbs the events of the movie. So the idea of weather, I think, kind of is part of the theme of the movies as well, too. It's not just dinosaurs that are nature. It's it's actual nature.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's very poignant because it shows that no matter how much we interfere with nature, nature always has the upper hand and always wins.
2: Yeah. I like that. That's really, yeah, really well said. I love that.
1: Um, Fun fact for you. And I'm about to make you very happy. Weather features within evolution are confirmed because in, um, in addition to the gameplay, I'm not sure if you saw, but they released a shorter gameplay trailer and it has a storm rolling in, and it also has a tornado hitting one of the islands.
0: Whoa. Yep.
2: (laughs) Now I'm just imagining Compi's getting caught caught up in the volcano, or in the (laughs) tornado.
1: Yeah. Just getting sucked up into the air and flown everywhere. So that's really how it washed up on shore in the novel. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Is. It's going to be really cool. I'm super excited for it. Um, so I, I kind of feel like we've touched on evolution and the novels quite a bit. Another thing I wanted to say quickly is um, I know obviously we have the Jurassic World employee handbook that is getting released by Universal. Fun fact for you, before that got announced, I had actually planned to make a PDF document of a... Jurassic World guide to all of the different dinosaur assets and release it on the internet in the form of like a staff manual. So it's kind of cool that one of them is actually getting done in an official capacity. Um uh,
2: I would still like to see your version.
1: <laughs> literally at the moment all it is is a cover page cuz my indesign document kept crashing and I got really frustrated with it and was like I can't work on this. <laughs>
2: You're like, all right, Universal. I guess you can have it. <laughs> yeah, I was just sat guys, there, like, was it's like-
1: fine. You win this one, Um, but I would really like to see like an almost ACU diary of like different incidents that the ACU have dealt with, because presumably there could have been uh, breakouts before and they've just managed to contain them.
2: Yeah, well, it's yeah. I I, I was thinking right now about Claire's being like. Like I love, I love her character because she's very, at least at the start of Jurassic World, it's you can you can you can sense that she is in control, but also that she's still kind of, but she's also kind of naive. And yeah, I imagine that, you know, she's upset that this one Pachycephalosaurus has shorted up the fence. Um, <laughs> and I wonder if there are times when she's not in the office per se, like she's out. Meeting with clients and spon- you know, potential sponsors and doing all that kind of stuff. That maybe <laughs> like a copy gets freed, or or some something something happens with the dinosaurs, and like Vivian and Lowry are like, "Don't tell Claire, don't tell Claire." You know <laughs> yeah. like they all kind of cover, and so like maybe there is more incidents, but it's just she doesn't see them because. Uh, basically it's like, ugh, Claire, if Claire hears about this, she's going to give us hell. And it's like, literally it took us like two seconds to clean it up. And I just feel like that happens a lot. Like when I first moved to LA and I worked in kind of a, in in some senses, kind of a similar environment, uh, yeah. that the Jurassic World control was in, obviously it wasn't a, a theme park, although I did work at Disneyland, but, um, that sometimes you're like, sometimes it goes down and you're like, let's just see if we can clean this up before the boss gets back in. <laughs> yeah. Because it actually, it like we're just trying not to make it a big deal. And then if you have to bring, if you have like, if Larry has to be like, okay, let's call Claire and get help. It's like, it's almost like as employees, as, as, is this your job, you've kind of like failed a little bit. If you, if the boss has to come in and help you. So yeah, stuff like that very would be true. really interesting.
1: I think, um, ACU as well and just containment in general does lend itself quite nicely to an interesting story because we, I don't know if you remember, but when Jurassic World came out, everyone was like, oh, there's this ACU guy called Hamada in the film. He's going to be a really important Uh, character. Yeah. And then he like literally just gets one scene, like one line and then dies. Um, But I think it would be interesting to maybe explore some of his backstory because it's actually said that he was the commander of a SWAT team, before he joined the ACU. So it maybe be interesting to kind of get into that character's psychology and see, like, why did he want to start fighting dinosaurs as opposed to humans? Did he want that adrenaline rush? Did he find them more interesting? Was he perhaps, I don't know, interested in paleontology? Just kind of getting some more insight into the different characters would be quite nice.
2: Yeah, Brian T., the actor who played uh, Hamada was yeah, he was. He just gave that character such life in such a short amount of time, and yeah, I think that's why it's. It, you bring up a good point of like hearing w- why people would want to be part of this thing uh, in this world, and I think that's why I love the the behind the scenes, uh, not behind the scenes, but the sort of motivation or character bios of Franklin and yes. Zia because. To me, that's like, okay, now we're in a living, breathing Jurassic universe where uh, Zia is going to school to go to go work at Jurassic World. She's literally in the first paleo um, veterinary program in the world at Berkeley. And she's like, all right, when I graduate, you know, I'm going to have an internship, you know, with Jurassic World. And then I'm going to get a job and I'm going to get to work with Di- – oh, shit. Jurassic World goes down in the tank. I guess that – it's like – that's just such a bit of world building that to me just really feels so fresh and so new and something that this franchise really hasn't had before is something like that. Or even the idea that Franklin um, who worked for Jurassic world, but didn't actually work on the, island, like he's just working offshore in the U S for like for the IT department. Like I just love that. I love yeah. that so much. And so I think what you're saying of like why certain characters would want to be part of this Jurassic world, you know, part of this world of dinosaurs, like that would be so interesting. And I guess that's my question to you. Would you be interested in hearing tie-in stuff that doesn't necessarily involve dinosaurs per se? Where it's like, obviously, they could be part of the novel, but maybe it's like, yeah, it's like, Brian, it's like um, Hamada's time in the SWAT team, and then maybe at the very end, or, or he's he's recalling these stories as he's working for the ACU. But, but big part, chunks of the story don't involve dinosaurs. Is that is that something that interests you as well? Or is it more of like, let's just find a way to keep it with dinosaurs, but still explore these, these characters?
1: I think it definitely has to have some aspect of dinosaurs. Like you said, maybe at the end, because I think in a Jurassic story, the human characters are one half and the dinosaurs are the other half. But if you were to just like lead to the build-up for that sequence, for example, it could be really rewarding. So something that could be interesting perhaps is, um, having like learning all of Hamada's backstory and then maybe going into the sequence leading into them gearing up to go after the Indominus Rex. So you literally get like all of his backstory Then you brush up into Jurassic World. You get like a couple of days of just normal stuff going on, you know, maybe some hints at the Indominus Rex being built like, oh, how do you feel about us having to put all these extra containment measures into place, stuff like that. And then you could almost like see what that character's doing right before he goes out and ultimately meets his demise. I think that would be quite cool.
2: Yeah. I could totally see that actually being a whole thing of like, because Jurassic world, at least the way that it's, the way that it's sort of set up in the movie is that, that, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of amazing to think that in the grand scheme of things, you know, Jurassic Park fell apart before it even opened. Yeah. Like it was literally like months away from opening. It was like, oh man. And then Jurassic World has been going for 10 years. And then finally something devastating happens to the park. And so it would be I, I like that idea of of you are it's this day that will kind of live in infamy. And so, what were all the, these characters, you know, and a lot of these smaller characters you could do? Um, yeah, like what was going on and how they reacted to that? I mean, it, I mean, it, like a lot of zoos have incidents, but I mean, parks don't shut down and, 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 you know, zoos move on and stuff like that, and and have incidents that you know. I mean, they're not as devastating as the Indominus <laughs> yeah. Rex and then all the demorphodons and Tyrannos getting free, but <laughs> you know, it, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's curious that there was this amount of time that nothing went wrong on a large scale, but maybe stuff went wrong on smaller scales, and or maybe they didn't, and then this is such a surprise to people that you could imagine the the somebody working at margaritaville being like is this real is this is this a joke like what's you know like kind of like how in disasters or when real kind of crazy things happen in real life where a lot of times people can't even believe it they they just are like well i've been working here for 10 years like nothing's happened and then all of a sudden people are getting eaten and you're just like holy
1: yeah like this is real what (laughs) yeah i think um that almost presents another idea to me where you could have something like a court document for Fallen Kingdom that just explores some of the backstory into the incident and perhaps stuff we haven't seen. So like, um, the way I picture it is like almost a really nice collectible binder where you open it up and you have like loads of different pieces of canonical paperwork. So you could have like, um, a letter from Hamada's family talking about his loss and like suing Mizrani Corporation for so much money. You could have a letter from, or like you could have a um, database printout from the Jurassic world stock itinerary saying how many embryos have gone missing and um, why they've gone offline. You could have like a cost sheet, which shows you how much it's costed. Um, And like all different little bits and bobs like that. I don't know, just like nice little pieces that add a lot more to the canon and overall make you feel a lot more invested in it.
2: Yeah, you can even do newspaper and and, and blog headlines and stuff too.
1: just like everything like um, fun.
2: Or um, again, like, I mean, nowadays people post stuff on Twitter and post stuff on social media about events happening. (laughs) They have those kinds of perspectives as well too
1: it'd just be quite interesting in adding material and makes it feel a lot more grounded, which I think is crucial in any franchise that kind of wants to immerse you in a sense of disbelief and at the same time capture some form of realism.
2: Well, that's what was, that's what was cool about, um, at the end of Avengers where you had all the different like news televisions and interviews with people on the street. And it's like, it'd be cool to even see that, like, at the end of Jurassic World when everyone's in the hangar like, meeting with their families and stuff and like getting their perspective on those moments.
1: Yeah, that would actually be really cool. And that's something that the DPG could release, actually. That would work. I think, I, I think there's...
2: Um, I think on the site there's like a testimonial part. Yeah. And I, I think that they touch on that kind of stuff a little bit. Um, I'd have to go back and look at it. But I, I think there was something in that vein. But I think you could even push it further by having uh zia and claire and franklin like interviewing people and being like okay what happened and like what was your experience with it
1: yeah that would be a really interesting way of actually giving you more of those characters as well that's a good shout actually
2: a way to tie it all in together you know
1: yeah bring it all together in a nice little parcel that us jurassic fans can consume and enjoy it that would be cool um I kind of feel like we've spoken a lot about extra canonical material for the films, which is really nice actually. Cause I think it's something that universal are finally starting to see the value in. So hopefully we'll get more of it going onwards. But, um, when it comes yeah, to, Yeah, I think,
2: well, I was going to say, I think the Claire novel is probably a big test. I think yeah, I would if agree. people really respond to that because the way that the title is, it's like the evolution of, blank. So you could do the evolution of Dr. Henry Wu, the evolution of Robert Muldoon, and you could almost have it for every character.
1: Yeah. So they'll see... Yeah. I think it's definitely going to be a big test for them, and I know it was an item um Bryce herself was pushing when she was at New York Toy Fair, wasn't she? So hopefully we will see it get yeah, well-received. Yeah, and then we can get more, which would be really cool. But... Talking about more, we do obviously have another film on the horizon, and it is something like two, maybe three months away now. It is insanely close. So, Stephen, my question to you now is what are you hoping for for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and why? Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo,
2: hoo, hoo, hoo. Okay. Um, uh, I just. I mean, my big joke on C Jurassic* right is that I just want Claire to say the word, the words Sorna or *Site yeah. B*, and, and that's just kind of a joke, as like, oh, wouldn't that be like? It's just tying two very disparate things together. Um, I, I mean, I just want I mean, I just want it to be a good movie in that sense. Obviously, like, I know I'm going to enjoy it, but I think there's part of me that it. As much as I love Jurassic World, I think Fallen Kingdom is going to be even better simply by the very nature that its plot is different from the rest of the movies. Yeah. Whereas we've had two parks that fall apart and two rescue missions. This is sort of a rescue mission, but I, I honestly think that rescuing the dinosaurs is kind of the motivating factor of the story, but it's not the entire story from what we've learned. And so the idea that this movie is going to take place all over the world in a sense. It's not just going to take place in one island. There's, you know, just from what we've seen so far, Lockwood Mansion and a courtroom somewhere. Like, we're already having a much more... uh, We're opening up kind of what a Jurassic Park movie can be. And so I really just want it... I really just hope and expect the movie to... Uh, really go for it in that sense. That's yeah. what I'm excited about. That's what I'm hoping is that because we're not just ha- t- ha- taking place in one location, that it's really going to take advantage of that fact. You know, because we've never done that before. I mean, we've gone to San Diego for a little bit. The opening of Jurassic Park Three kind of hops around a couple different places, but this looks like this looks to be a movie that kind of does that for the entire movie, and so that's exciting. I think that's what's really getting me excited about it. Not necessarily the return of Malcolm, not necessarily that kind of stuff. I think bringing back characters is cool, but I think there has to be a reason. I think just bringing yeah, back I agree with that. our favorites, I've, because again, we brought back Dr. Sattler for Jurassic Park three. And and that was just very disappointing. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it's interesting to see where the character had gone, but obviously if you love that character, it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's funny because in the, I have a picture book, of Jurassic Park three that I actually won in one of uh, Dan's JP three page uh, from that website back in the day when I was in high school, I won a contest and I won a bunch of these like tie in Jurassic Park three novels, yeah. or Jurassic Park three materials. And there's a moment in the like this like the childhood picture book version of Jurassic Park three where uh, near the end when Ellie or you know when the military shows up to rescue our heroes in Jurassic Park three. There's actually a line in the book where Grant says, "You know, thank God, Ellie. thank thanks, thank God for Ellie Sattler or something like that." And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh man, that was really exciting." And I, I kind of like the way that they use that. And we got kind of a nod to that idea, but it's it's, you know, I want if if, if Malcolm's going to come back, I want him to really add to the movie, and I th- I think they're going to use him in a way that I think is perfect. But yeah, um, yeah, I I'm not so much concerned with bringing back old characters. I Because if we're going to have Jurassic Park, if we want Jurassic Park to have movies after this franchise, you know, after Jurassic World 3, Jurassic Park 6, what else are we going to do after that? And so we need to have new blood, you know, we need to have new characters that we love and root for. So I'm more excited about the opening of the world and opening of where the dinosaurs can go and what they can be. That's the most exciting part. And I think Dawn Kingdom has already proven that it'll at least that's at least where it's going, but I don't, I'm not, yeah. I hope that it, I hope that it really fulfills that promise or that potential.
1: Yeah. I think for me as well, I think it's something that will um, allow them to kind of explore that open world more and something that I'm really hoping for is obviously we see that um, there is an auction going on for dinosaurs I'm not going to say that that's a spoiler because it is literally in the second trailer so anyone can see that. So um, I kind (laughs) of... (laughs) I always feel like I have to be careful because we go with a non-spoiler policy here. I always, like... I'm kind of that guy who treads the line a lot, I feel. So I'm always like, is this okay to talk about? Yeah, I'm going to go with it. But yeah, I think it's quite obvious that that's what's happening. Um, So... I would really like to see Fallen Kingdom leave us somewhere where perhaps the Indoraptor has been stopped. They've not managed to sell that. They've defeated it. It's dead. But some dinosaurs have already been sold. They've started being shipped. They're gone. They've been sent to different places all across the world, places that aren't ready for them, places that perhaps can't contain them properly. So then you suddenly have this story of oh my god people's greed has taken control and now normal everyday people are suffering because of that so you could almost have owen and claire in a situation where the dinosaur protection group's mission has been successful but now they have to protect humans from dinosaurs because they're like breaking out from different places all across the world i think um that could be really cool and it would set it up nicely to kind of what, what I've always said from the beginning, and you've probably seen me saying this on Twitter, is Jurassic World 3 needs to feel like it's a story about consequences. So for Jurassic World, we've tampered with science we don't understand. In Fallen Kingdom, despite seeing the consequences of that, we continue to meddle with that science we don't understand. So Jurassic World 3 needs to show a really overt way of those consequences affecting us. And I think there's kind of, a lot of scope for doing something on a worldwide scale, which is more self-contained than something like Planet of the Apes, but which um, still really gives you a sense of kind of, oh my God, this is having wide reaching consequences. There's people who have died because of this. This has been destroyed. That's happened, you know?
2: Well, I think you've really hit the nail on the head, which is, I mean, this franchise ends with dinosaurs taking over the planet, right? Or, (laughs) or, or, or at least it's heading in that direction. I mean, I think, I think, I mean, is, is that the end game? Maybe not the end game of Jurassic World 3, but is that the end game of where if we're going to have more movies and continue this franchise after, after this, you know, this run of Colin Trevorrow, who, who was announced to direct Jurassic World 3, um, it, it, are we leaning towards a world where dinosaurs and man completely coexist? Are we, are we a backdoor, uh, prequel to Dinotopia? uh, You know, uh, (laughs) uh, is that where all this is heading? And so if that's where we're heading, I mean, that's really cool and exciting because I mean, I think that's what we all secretly want or maybe I'm just projecting on some level.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not sure. I think it would take a lot for me to, adjust to something like that just because it is so close to the kind of direction that the Planet of the Apes films have taken. Um,
2: That's a good point, yeah,
1: yeah. I think it could definitely be interesting, but I think um, dropping a little plug-in for my favourite show, as I always do, one of the things I enjoyed most about Primeval was seeing the conflict in modern-day kind of scenarios, where it's still modern-day society clashing with prehistoric creatures So I kind of hope that we don't get to a point where we lose that dynamic completely because I think it's part of what makes um, the genre of dinosaur film that both Primeval and Jurassic Park sit within so unique.
2: Yes, that's a good point. And yeah, I guess maybe clarifying my ideas. I I think at some point it would be cool to see a more of an apocalyptic kind of environment, but I think let's not race to that too quickly. Let's not... You know, I think that's a, you know, and I think I, we were even chatting about this in the See Jurassic Right Facebook group. But, you know, there is one version of me that wants 100 years in the future and, and man and dinosaurs coexist at a time where it's normal. But I think there's so much fruitful ground. Let's not just jump to that because it's an easy, it's an, it's an easy route to take. It's a fun route to take. But I think there could be more interesting things to explore before we get to that point, yeah. I think. Um, yeah.
1: I think when we eventually get to that point, though, it would come back nicely to that kind of tale of myth and legend because you could kind of have like a 100 years in the future people talking about this mad scientist who didn't listen until things went wrong. And then you like learn that that's a reference to Henry Wu, something like that. And you could have references yes. to InGen being a shady corporation who didn't quite listen. And then it's only like once you go back into the stories and once you research it, you realize that actually it's rogue individuals within these organizations who have caused this to happen. And kind of stuff like that would be really interesting to see.
2: Well, and, and you bring up a good point too about, because I think some people took issue with The Force Awakens because it was like Jedi or Myth and they don't exist. And there is there, this kind of sense of, well, it's only been 30 years. I don't think things fall into legend and myth within the span of only 30 years, yeah. you think more of hundreds of years. And so, I, you know, the Star Wars galaxy is huge. And I think just for narrative purposes, I think they made it a good choice with that. But think of how cool it would be or interesting it would be if, if you know, Jurassic Park comes out in 1993 and we have these six films and then maybe we have another six films. And, you know, just thinking the long game here. And then, so it's like, you know, when you or I are, are, old, are old folks... And then now there's, you know, Jurassic Park films that come out where it's like, yeah, Hammond and Wu, like they were myths and legends in this company. And like, it's almost like a fairy tale, like in a uh, Deathly Hollows where it's like the story of the three brothers. And it's yeah. like, and, and it's kind of earned that mythic quality because there really is that much time passing you've kind of earned it as opposed to, Oh, let's just jump to a post-apocalyptic because.
1: Yeah. It would actually better. take the time to build up an enriched universe around it, which would be really cool. I think, yeah, would, um, There's definitely scope as well for maybe not doing... um, I'm trying to think what I want to say. The best example I can think of is maybe doing a self-enclosed story like Far Cry 5, where um, Far Cry 5 is set in Montana, so it's a specific county. And you could always do a story where, like, the dinosaurs completely obliterate everything within that specific area and like that area of the ecosystem has fallen back to them you know and then you could almost get kind of the um do you know what that would actually be really cool because you could get the kind of human nature clash of people desperately fighting back to stop dinosaurs claiming more and more of the ecosystem because the one boundary that was always there which was an island preventing it from spreading is now no longer there that could be for like some really cool dynamic in terms of the kind of different themes that you would explore within the films.
2: yeah and it would be interesting to see what regular people think of dinosaurs yeah because mostly, for the most part in the franchise, we've dealt with people who are scientists and people who are, which is you know that's Crichton's thing, which was he you know he was obsessed with science and scientists and what how they react to stuff. But you know what's what's regular Joe gonna think about having to deal with dinosaurs in their community? That would be interesting.
1: Yeah, I know people don't like it as well. But I think it does make sense that the military would be experimenting with some kind of technology to relate to these creatures. Whether it be like, um, pulling, I don't know, maybe something like certain genes to augment soldiers to make them stronger or something like that. It, I I honestly believe, and this relates to the real world as much as it does the military within films, there is no new innovative technology that comes out that does not go through the military market before it gets presented to civilians. Like, there will be software like drones, for example, that becomes aware to us, but the military will have already seen that innovation and they'll have already thought about ways to apply it to what they do. So I think, although there is a lot of animosity towards that idea of like militarized dinosaurs and stuff like that i think to some degree if it's handled right it does make sense
2: yeah i i i mean i always think about dolphins in world war ii snipping out bombs i think about war dogs i think about uh i mean there's even a cat that was trying to be like trained in the 50s to like be a Russian spy or something like that, or, or to spy on the Russians. And we've always militarized animals. I think, I mean, obviously horses. I mean, yeah. Um, so, you know, I think some people take leap with it because it's two science fiction concepts on top of each other. Yeah. But in a weird, in a weird way, militarizing dinosaurs is not is not as science fictiony as making dinosaurs. Like that's more science fictiony than militarizing animals.
1: Yeah, militarizing um, animals is just taking nature's strengths and trying to use them to benefit us essentially
2: yeah I, I guess i mean i understand that some people take umbrage with with uh you know when you look at the concept art from the john Salis script and you're <laughs> like whoa, whoa 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 yeah and i understand that that's that that is a leap and i don't necessarily want that either um you know if we <laughs> Maybe that's a spin off. We get a Street Shark style Jurassic Park movie where it's like, hey, I'm Bart Raptor. And you know, <laughs> we also have a weird, it's like very 90s. But yeah.
1: No, but. Um, that could be like we were talking about earlier, somebody who's remembering the original park wrong.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they think about it. It's a whole backstory into why some people hallucinate. Um, oh my gosh, I think it was on Twitter. Uh, the missing compies podcast guys and Arjun Ar, Ar, Ar oh, I always pronounce his name wrong. Arjun Bosch. Yeah. Um, talking about how like there's sort of a canonical reason for why uh, Alan Grant um uh, sees a Velociraptor uh, address part three raptor as opposed to a you know a raptor that he yeah. saw in his own mind. And I thought that was very interesting. There was a thread about that where he was seeing the engines list beforehand and saw that there were modifications and stuff. But I remember, although I remember listening to the commentary on Park three, how they kind of realized that. And they basically in post darkened up the Raptor to sort of hide its JP three esque features to try to just (laughs) say, Oh, well, it's just sort of
1: a generic Velociraptor. Yeah. They, they sort of
2: acknowledged that they didn't, um, Think of it in time, or at least that's how I think John Rosen Grant maybe from his perspective. But who knows? But um, yeah, I mean, again, you know, again, we're, we're we're jumping all around to to the future of the franchise. But Fallen Kingdom, Fallen Kingdom, I I just want it to, yeah, I just want it to open up. I, I just want it to be. I I just love the idea of a globe-trotting Jurassic Park adventure. I, yeah. I love that idea. That really appeals to me right now. And I just want to see, you know, it doesn't have to be James Bond, but I just like that idea and I, I'm excited to see that.
1: I almost think of it as like um, Jurassic Park does Indiana Jones.
2: Yeah, I can totally see that.
1: That would be quite interesting to see it as well. I think um, I really like how we're getting a bunch of human antagonists introduced as well. So um, Ralph Spells, or is it Rafe? It's either Raphael Rath. I've probably said that really poshly. Um, he plays Eli Mills and then Toby Jones plays a character called, um, this was revealed on a Lego set, actually. So if you don't want to know this oh. person's name, just let me know and I won't say it. Um, oh, no, I, don't, I don't mind,
2: but I guess but okay. people skip ahead a second, I guess.
1: Yeah. So Toby Jones' character is called Gunnar and That's a great... Yeah it's it's tell me about it so i think it's quite exciting that we clearly have a couple of human antagonists back again because obviously um we had hoskins in jurassic world and we know from that phone call that he was reporting to somebody so it's interesting to Kind of consider that these people now coming out the pipework have potentially been there observing Jurassic World for the last 10 years, plotting and thinking about that one opportunity to jump in and take advantage of a situation which has now arisen. So I think kind of exploring perhaps their motivations and why they're so interested in exploiting this situation would be really, really cool.
2: Yeah, it sort of echoes by us and from the novels, I think. Yeah. There's a lot of people who see innovation and they're like, well, well what if I just copy them but do it my own way and for my own purposes so I can profit off of it? I think that's very relatable. And so the idea that we could have multiple villains that are all trying to take advantage of the situation, I think that's very cool. And I, you made me think of another thing too in that Fallen Kingdom, we're going to get, uh, you know, just from looking at the toys and stuff that we're going to get, some more personality from the dinosaurs, yeah. In that sense, where we're going to have blue back, and you know, on all the toys for the stick eye which is one of my favorite dinosaurs, yes. Um, that the dinosaurs being nicknamed sticky, and so I just find that so precious. And it, I mean, it's it's really a new thing. I mean, I think obviously we loved you know Rexy or Roberta from Jurassic yeah. Park, but. And and I think the junior Rex had a little bit of personality in the Lost World, but I love the idea that we're going to start having dinosaurs with kind of that are going to be named characters. I think that's very interesting. I think that's also very like that's new. That was they experimented with it in Jurassic World, and I think it seems that it might that they might just embrace that even more. And I, I I'm interested in that and to see what that does too. I mean, I think that is maybe maybe the filmmakers are like, well, if we're going to interact with these creatures and it's going to be more, like you're saying, we want to maybe approach the consequences, well, then it's like we have to get to know these dinosaurs more than just uh, just as animals or as, you know, these creatures. It's like now they're characters.
1: I think it's nice as well kind of giving people a bit more relatability with the creatures as well because it means when they do something, it's perhaps morally questionable because at the end of the day they're animals who behave out of instinct um it kind of leaves you with a lot more of a dilemma than you would have before and it makes you question things a lot more so whereas um say for example jurassic park at the very beginning you're told these velociraptors are dangerous they should all be destroyed like um (laughs) that quote right there pretty much sums up setting them up as an antagonist from the very beginning. Whereas in Jurassic World, for example, you're presented to Blue um, as this creature who you, you can relate to and who Owen has a relationship with. So then when she turns on Owen, you question it a lot more and you kind of think, well, this is an animal. Can I really rely on that relationship all the time? And I just think it's quite interesting to kind of capture and convey that dynamic. Um and it is like you say a new direction for a Jurassic film to take but i think it's quite important in giving these creatures the representation that they deserve within the franchise
2: yeah i that's actually yeah i didn't think of it that way but you're right it's like we need to for this franchise to continue expanding and growing and to have more life that we that i think we all want i think you need to add some new dynamics and i think um, having it be something where it's like, Oh, where they're just poor animals. It's like, Oh no, they can, they can be the precious animal, but then can turn on you. They can have a mind of their own in a way. Yeah. Which is cool.
1: I think, yeah. And it, it just, it makes it a lot more interesting and it makes you kind of get a lot more immersed in what's occurring and it makes you question what's occurring a lot more, which is, it's just important for good filmmaking. You need to be immersed and you need to be asking questions. Um, yeah I think that's very crucial
2: yeah it's exciting I'm I'm super um I just even talking to you now I feel like I've kind of tried to not temper my excitement or anything like that but it's almost like even though we're talking about this stuff all the time it's almost like it hasn't really even hit it's like it's still sort of hitting me that it's like oh yeah we're gonna get to see a movie about all this stuff like you know the toys and the game like it's like, yeah, but this is all leading up to a film. And yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. That it just almost It feels like we've got so much top. already, doesn't it? Yeah, but in a way it's I think it's gonna be I mean, and that's what's so exciting. And I don't know if that was like it for you when you saw Jurassic World, but it was like in a fun way, kind of all the conversation died, and then once you saw the movie, it was like oh, well, now I get to have a whole new conversation because now that we've finally seen the movie, now we can talk about all this stuff. And yeah. the things that we talked about before are interesting, but in a way it's it, it's it's cool when a film, when you see a film and it and it surprises you in, in, in new ways and, and then it's like you get to have a whole new experience with it again.
1: This is actually a fun fact for you. And I don't know if you had a listen to the audio I sent you from the next episode of SJR but if you haven't which I'm hoping you haven't then you won't know this um Jurassic World was actually what pushed me to join the Jurassic community and start like podcasting and talking to people and stuff like that so I think that those films are really kind of a center point to encourage people to go out and do this thing and kind of like realize that there is this whole community out there because I know um, when I first watched the Jurassic Park films, I kind of felt like once I had hit Jurassic Park three, um, that was it. And it was kind of like game over, you know, nothing else out there. So then when Jurassic world was announced and I saw this kind of vibrant group of people still on the internet talking about it, I was just like flabbergasted by it all, I suppose.
2: That's really cool. I mean, I mean, and that's what's so great. Um, like that's what I love about, uh, and I don't know if you've talked much with uh, uh, Jurassic Becky, but um, who is known for the she had the viral video of her yeah. crying and talking about Jurassic World and how much she enjoyed it and stuff, and you know, or just just that p- kind of very cool, kind of honest and raw experience with it, and it's it just makes me think that it makes me glad that no matter where you are with your kind of fandom or enjoyment of something, you can always find a way in. And it's not this thing where it's this static and fixed thing where it's like, Oh, Jurassic park is the best thing ever. And it's like, no, somebody could come to this for the first time and see Jurassic world or play one of the games or go on the ride. And that's what gets you into the franchise, not necessarily the original movie. And so I think that's why it's been so much fun doing my podcast is because I've heard so many weird and interesting and fascinating ways that people have gotten into the franchise that isn't just, oh, I saw the movie when I was a kid. Um, or I saw the movie when I was a kid, but this is the circumstances for which I saw it. And so I love that we all have our own way into watching something, into enjoying something, into being part of the community. And it's not a fixed thing where everyone has to pass the gauntlet of, oh, you have to see this first and this second and then do this. It's not. It's, there's no gatekeeping in that sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's nice because we, we all come from different places and we have different interests. But there's kind of something out there for everyone. That pulls people together for this franchise.
2: Yeah, no. It's I, I'm excited. I'm excited for people. I was talking to. Um, oh, I was on a podcast um, that my friend Lauren does called "Let the Right Films In." Yeah, I think I think Fallen Kingdom. If there's one thing I'm excited about for Fallen Kingdom, is that. I think for some people who were, because I think a lot of the mainstream film community is not into Jurassic World. Yeah. And, and I think, but I think Fallen Kingdom is going to be the movie that wins them back. I think, you know, just gauging their thoughts about what, about Jurassic World, I think Fallen Kingdom is in a way going to be bigger, going to be better. And it's going to be almost more, it's going to, like we've talked about, like we've been talking about, it's going to kind of open the floodgates. And it's going to, I think it's going to be refreshing for people who maybe, you know, there's a lot of people who have Marvel fatigue right now. And people are like, oh, Star Wars movie every year? Like, do we have to? Like, yeah. I, I think Fallen Kingdom in a way is going to kind of open the doors a little bit wider for maybe people who have felt left out and maybe didn't, who felt left in the cold by Jurassic World. And so that's cool too, because... I think, again, it's just going to allow more voices back into this community who maybe haven't given a chance before. And I think that's cool too.
1: Yeah, it's always cool to have something new to stimulate more people to come through. And I think what you say about critics especially is quite important because I know a lot of people kind of are especially within the mainstream media, they're very qu- critical of Jurassic World and the franchise as a whole. And like I know, I'm not naming any names, but I'm sure you saw that recent <laughs> article that went out that got quite a big response from the Jurassic community. Um, there are certainly people who question why this franchise still exists. So I think it will be really nice to kind of have a film that hopefully says, hey, this is what I am. This is my identity. This is where I stand in cinema history. Like, that would be really good to see.
2: Yeah, no, I agree.
1: Cool. I kind of, I don't know. I was going to ask you a little bit more about whether you want to see any more films after the next saga, but I kind of feel like we've left it at quite a nice place. How do you feel?
2: I mean, I think again, it's a thing of I. I mean, in, in Jurassic Park, for me, has been that journey of I loved it as a kid, and then kind of like a lot of people who were, I think, like Brad Jost, um, for example. Like we are both kind of at similar age, and we had kind of very similar experiences with Jurassic Park, where we loved it as a kid, kind of drifted away in our adolescence, and then kind of came back to it hard after the 20th anniversary of Jurassic Park and now we're, you know, obsessed and, and, you know, I probably think about Jurassic Park more than I ever did as a kid in a way. And even yeah. though I was obsessed as a kid. And, um, so I will always welcome more Jurassic Park movies. I don't think I'll ever be like, nah, that's enough. Because ultimately if, if I don't like one, then it's not going to ruin what I love about the rest of them. I think, you know, unless there's a version of Jurassic park that Steven Spielberg goes in and gives all the dinosaurs flashlights or something, but (laughs) like, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard, I think to ruin something for me, even if like, I love the alien franchise, but you know, that doesn't need to include Prometheus and alien covenant as interesting and weird as those movies are. I, but they also don't feel like they're part of the alien franchise to me. They feel kind of their own thing. And so, I think they could keep making Jurassic Park movies forever, and, and and I think I would feel the freedom to pick and choose what I like. I mean, I think for a lot of the community, a big debate is the Jurassic Park um, game from Telltale, and I'm very hard on the line of that that movie or that game doesn't count, and it's not, and I just don't think it does anything interesting, and I just don't like it, and it's just it, it's it's the idea that people even think of it as canon is kind of like crazy to me but then again I understand that a lot of people love that game and, and it means a lot to them and it explores parts of the story that they want to see explored and it has a lot of cool dinosaurs in it and I love the Sarah Harding and Jerry Harding connection being made and stuff but in my mind it's not it's not part of the Canon and it doesn't it doesn't add to my experience but I'm yeah. glad it's out there for people to enjoy.
1: So basically you just want to make sure that there is more material out there for people who enjoy it to enjoy it yeah 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 i think the
2: more the merrier i think
1: i like that cool wow i kind of feel like we've had a really good discussion tonight about obviously the kind of different things that we want the franchise to do and how we want it to change and where we see it going but also i think we've kind of touched on quite nicely why it's such a wholly inclusive franchise and why it's so easy for so many people to fall in love with it i suppose so It's been good kind of having that discussion.
2: No, and it's nice having that now because kind of like how we were having, how it was like when people were having discussions before Jurassic World came out. It's like every time a movie comes out, everything changes. And so it's so nice to be able to chat in this space because, yeah, and, and, you know, it's April April 1st when we're chatting today and uh, things are going to be very different Uh, come, you know, June. And so this is going to be a fun little time capsule to look back on. So I'm glad that we we get to have these.
1: Yeah. I think we need to sit down and do this again at some point, man. It's been really fun. Oh yeah. I, I
2: can't even imagine what we're all going to be like before (laughs) the film comes out, like the day before, like, I think we're just going to be, everyone's going to be really sweaty and like, (laughs) what are you going to like? You know, I, I I was excited for Jurassic World and and and, and I definitely made it an, an experience. But I think for Fallen Kingdom, I think it's even more. I feel even more connected. And yeah, it's like I'm nervous, but I'm excited. And yeah, it, part of me is like, don't even think about it. Let's just let <laughs> the day come and then and then just experience it in the moment.
1: Yeah, I think it will definitely be interested to other. I don't know what I was trying to say that. My words just kind of blended. I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of the excitement levels just continue to escalate more and more.
2: Yeah, we'll have, yeah, we definitely have to talk again right before it comes out.
1: Yeah, we do. Yeah, you know, I, I don't really know if the conversation will be that coherent though. because I'll probably be like, oh my God, oh my God, it's coming out. It's coming out. Oh my God. But you know, <laughs>
2: And I'll be like, you son of you, you're going to get to see it two weeks
1: before I do. Yeah. No, yeah. I I really hope that they do move the releases, but it sadly feels like we're getting a little bit close to release date now for it to move, which is a shame. I've never really... I I always think it's kind of detrimental when they do stuff like that and they release it, like, here early, for example, because it just means that... um, the fandom will become a little bit disjointed for those two weeks, which is a shame.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I don't even want to imagine what those, it's like, uh, (laughs) we're all going to be. Yeah. We're all going to be very like touch and go, but in, in kind of the best possible way, because we don't want to spoil the experience for each other. I think if anything, I have faith that we are going to take great care to make sure that those who don't want to be spoiled, don't get spoiled. And those who want to have those discussions can have those discussions. I'm very, I'm not worried about that part at all. I think yeah. it's just going to be for, for for the folks in the U.S. and the states. We're going to be like, uh, you know, we're just going to be like, okay, it's cool that you got to see it, but uh, I'm just going to go play with my toys right now. You know, yeah. like yeah. We're gonna. I wouldn't going to be
1: surprised if Brad just bans me from podcasting for two weeks.
2: Oh, I, we're gonna we're. Yeah, Brad and I are just going to be smoking cigarettes the whole time. Neither does <laughs> it doesn't smoke, I mean, as far as I know. And, you know, all of a sudden we just picked up the habit for those two weeks just to, <laughs> yeah. just to chill out, you
1: know? You just see the initial reviews come in and you're like, cannot click, cannot click. Ah, <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's going to be fine.
1: It is. It'll be fine. And yeah, I yeah. think we're lucky that we have such a accepting group of people that people will know and people don't want it spoiled and they'll do their best to make sure that, that doesn't happen, which is nice. Yeah. I think people have been pretty good so far. Yeah, for sure. I would agree with that. Right. I kind of feel like considering it is 10 minutes to one in the morning here in the UK. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> that we're kind of at a good point to wrap up. So Stephen, would you like to tell people where they can find you and see Jurassic Right?
2: Sure. Yeah, you can always follow me on Twitter at, at Stephen Ray Morris and see Jurassic Right is uh, at S on Twitter and at see Jurassic Right on all the other socials. And um, yeah, it's such a fun podcast to do because the focus really is on the. I love just hearing people share their personal stories. And so a fun thing, um, which I I don't know if I've mentioned too much, but the April episode is going to be about Jurassic World. And I was very lucky that I got to interview Lauren Lapkis who is Vivian and Courtney James Clark, who was the Moses store announcer. And so my interviews with both of them will be in the April episode. Sweet. The end of I April. was waiting
1: for them. So that would be really good to listen to.
2: Yeah, it was funny because I feel like in, because the, for listeners, the, the monthly episodes, because there's one episode a month that is focused on a particular theme. Um, So uh, March's episode is music, February's episode was the ride. And so all my interviews with the people have to do with those particular topics. And so for Jurassic World, um, because the nostalgia isn't quite there yet, I wanted to chat with some of the people who had experience on the film. And so again, Lauren and Courtney were really nice to talk to me about their experiences. Just what it was like being in a giant blockbuster and being in a blockbuster of that caliber and being a franchise with such history and so they really, that was really exciting to talk to them about their experience. And, um, but, uh, yeah, it was funny cause I interviewed Lauren like back in December just cause of us, like our scheduling stuff, but it was, it was so much fun and I can't wait to share it with people. And, um, yeah, it was really cool. So that's an upcoming episode that I'm, I'm really super excited about. Um, yeah, the Jurassic World episode is going to be really fun cause, um, you know, it's a newer movie, but I think it's a movie that's going to be fresh in everybody's memory from seeing themselves. So I hope that that episode really kind of touches on what that mm. kind of experience was like, you know, the franchise is back after, after 14 years, Like, <laughs> where were you, you know, kind of yeah. thing. So I think, I think that's, that's what it's going to be focusing most of about. And I think it's going to be cool. It's,
1: it's definitely, yeah, I'm excited to see it. And, um, one thing to encourage people to do as well is you encourage people to, comment and share their experiences with you, don't you? So I don't know. Do you have the two questions off the top of your head?
2: Oh, um, yeah. So the two questions that I had were, it's funny, actually, I thought I had them in my head. I was like, (laughs) if I, um, no, they're right here as I (laughs) wait. I I I totally
1: threw you on the spot there.
2: (laughs) Um. Oh no, I didn't write those questions down. I believe it was. Oh, um, what did you expect Jurassic Park to be uh, before it came out? And then what was the other question? Oh I man, think, I don't remember.
1: I think it uh, was what did you expect Jurassic World to be when it came out, and how did you celebrate Jurassic World's release?
2: That's correct. <laughs> you are you are correct. Uh, um, Thank you, Tom. I, you, were, <laughs> you were on the ball and I wasn't. So, it's all but,
1: um, good. I totally oh, threw yeah. you on the point there, but I thought it would be nice to give people listening here a chance to interact as well.
2: No, no, I appreciate that, Tom, a lot. That means a lot. Yeah, so yeah. What did you think Jurassic World was going to be like before it came out? And then how did you celebrate the resurrection of the franchise? And so, yeah, that's the thing where, like, I've had, uh, again, Tom's called in. He had a, he had such a lovely, thoughtful voicemail. Um, <laughs> you had such a lovely, thoughtful voicemail that um, I included in the music episode that was so perfect and kind of summed up the themes of the episode. and I mean, you didn't even know it when you called in. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, that, that's when I heard your voicemail. I was like, Oh my gosh, we were literally summing up the themes of this episode it's <laughs> to go at the end. Um, and yeah. So, and people call and again, uh, uh, this woman, Amelie Belcher, this very talented artist, she uh, had a, an amazing story about getting married and they're, their wedding photos taken on the dress park ride. And like, so it's like, it's, and, and it doesn't, you know, it can be big or small or anything, but just sharing those personal stories is always so exciting. And, um, that number is three, two, three, six, eight, eight, six, nine, six, nine, or you can just email c dress gmail gmail.com. I read, uh, and play uh, additional voicemails in the, the monthly mini sodes as well too. So, and the mini sods is, is more of a chance to just kind of catch up on, things and and hear other people's stories and stuff but yeah so yeah check it out cool
1: yeah awesome uh on that note guys I would like to say thank you for listening to another episode of the Innovation Centre. I'm not entirely sure what date you will be listening to this episode. We're quite packed schedule-wise at the moment. Hopefully it will be before Stephen's next episode on Jurassic World goes out, so you can leave your voicemails. If not, make sure to give the next episode a listen to, so you can find out what the following episode, this is kind of... My brain right now is thinking how to phrase this. So you can find out what the following episode will be about and you can leave comments for that episode then. Uh, As always, guys, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. Stephen, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a great pleasure chatting to you. I hope you've had a good time. Oh, I've
2: had a blast. Let's do this again real soon.
1: Sweet. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. And on that note, guys, take care and we will speak to you real soon.
0: Audio lab College Humor brings us some audio from Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt attempting to hop on an airline with their favorite pet, Raptor, um, trying to pass her off as a service animal. Um, I don't know if that uh, qualifies per se, a Velociraptor, but let's find out. Next. Checking in. You know it. Go ahead and place any bags or pets on
2: the scale, please. No problem.
0: cannot allow that animal to board the plane oh no no, no no it's okay it's okay she's she's a service animal
1: she's a dinosaur
0: i mean he needs her for emotional support
2: no yes please we're not just one of those bogus a-hole couples i get anxiety i need her to calm me down oh word because i'm getting anxiety just standing here
1: Shh.
2: i was with her at birth And I've
0: been separated from her one time, and I will not let that happen again. He wouldn't even have the courage to talk to you right now if she weren't here. Exactly. He's the most cowardly man you've ever seen. Well... So unattractive. Okay,
2: that's not really helping. Listen, I didn't want to do this, but
0: I read the bylaws, and there's no specific rule stating that I can't have a dinosaur on her plane, so... Put her up. It could kill everyone on board! Name one person who was killed by a dinosaur.
2: What about at that park they keep having to close down?
0: What park? We don't know what you're talking about.
1: Look, I want to help you, but I have to at least know that you have some control over the animal. You want to see control? I'll show you control.
0: She's highly trained. Watch. No, that's That's just, she's super submissive. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Sit. Come on, you have to say it with authority. Watch. Blue! Go full beast mode! Very good, honey. Blue, eat your pole.
2: Uh Uh You're just saying things she's already doing. Blue,
0: stay! Does she understand? She's
2: in a kennel.
1: Where's she? Oh, no! Here we go.
0: Can I speak with your supervisor? Well, I don't think we have anything to worry about uh, when it comes to Velociraptors going on planes because, well, she escaped. Um, So there's that. And also Bryce was fantastic in this one. Chris, too. But Bryce really stood out to me in this one. And if you guys want to see the full video, head to the link in our show notes. Thanks for listening to the 151st episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Of course, a big thanks to Tom for putting together that awesome interview with Stephen Ray Morris. I know Stephen is a great dude. And uh, since this segment uh, was recorded, as I said, it was a little bit behind. He actually attended the Jurassic Park 25th anniversary celebration at Universal Studios Hollywood. I know he had a great time out there with so many of the awesome fans. And, uh, of course, he got to see the opening footage of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. thats I'm so jealous, dude. That is awesome. Uh, so also don't miss his quick reaction to that event in our bonus episode, like I said earlier in the show. Um, so also make sure to find all of Steven's links in our show notes. If you want to interact with us, we do most of our work over on Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Jurassic Park Podcast. And our Instagram handle is at Jurassic Park Podcast. You can listen to us via iTunes, Google Play, Podomatic, youtube our website or wherever else podcasts are found so make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week if you haven't already please give us a five star review in itunes or a great review wherever you listen to the podcast it will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us don't forget to check out jurassicparkpodcast.com for all the links you heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, or if you want to debut a segment of your own, send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Five minutes.
2: Drop what you're doing. And-